Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Bowie, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering. What a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Hey, good morning. This is Elise Bowie with the Maximum Mom Podcast. And today I am thrilled to welcome Jen Gorg Cuthbert, who is the owner of Atlanta Personal Injury Law Group. Jen represents victims of vehicle collisions, drunk driving, those injured in slip and fall and wrongful death cases. Jen, thanks for joining me today. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me on here today. Absolutely. Well, tell us. Well, first, I I like to just start. Tell us what makes you a mom. Who's in your family? So I have an almost nine-year-old named Julia. I have a six-year-old named Colin, and I have a two-year-old named Bennett. Wow. You have your hands full. (laughs) Hands and hearts. They're great. They're great. Those are some fun ages. Tell us about your law firm, too. Let's just Get it out there. Tell us about how long you've been in practice, what your firm's looking like now. So I've been in practice for eight and a half years. So the law firm's always about the same age as Julia. I think I started it when she was like one month old. And we have about 20 something people here now. And I know I've been growing alongside your journey since COVID. It's been crazy. And yeah, we're just growing all the time. We have pretty exciting goals for this year. And hopefully that kind of gives a picture. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love watching your firm grow and everything you've been doing. I mean, I want to talk to you though. I'm We're going to start because we're going to talk about some of our parenting things, just because I think with kids, your kids' age and growing a firm at the rate you're growing. I mean, you are one of those people that I would say a lot of people would consider what you're doing to be fairly impossible. And they would be like, I don't understand. Like, how does she pull all this off? Well, let's talk about that. I mean, how do you pull all this off? What does it look like? How are you balancing, you know, the situation at home and the situation at work? I mean, I would say it's not without its challenges, but I do have a lot of help. I am very upfront about that. Ideally, I have a nanny. I have my executive assistant, I have a lot of help in the law firm. We have a whole C-suite team here running the law firm in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I get to just really do the things that are in my zone of genius. And I don't have to do the things that aren't really in my zone of genius. But I think it's a myth that people are just doing it all. Like, you know, there's a lot of people in the background that help my life be more manageable. Right. I have a housekeeper. Yeah. I have a, a trainer at the gym. I mean, I have a lot of people. If I want to get to my goals, I need more support. Right. Yeah. I think that's so critical is understanding really how much support undergirds a lot of us who are growing and juggling a lot of things because it's silly to think any one of us is doing it on our own. Yeah. And I think like I built that support up over years. I didn't just start with that from day one. I remember like when I first started my law firm, I had like part-time babysitter and, you know, I would just kind of like grow and grow and say like, well, wouldn't life be better if I have this? And, 
you know, it's really important to find people that you trust in your personal life. I would say like the executive assistant is a huge hack for me. And I think it's something a lot of people don't think about. Yep. Absolutely. I don't, I don't do any like things that I think some other people do. Like I don't do returns. I don't do grocery shopping. I don't do mailing things or just think about all the activities in those categories that just are so time consuming, scheduling medical appointments, getting on the phone with Verizon. Like I just don't do those things. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, like you said, initially, it it really probably isn't in your zone of genius. I mean, it's not at all. Yeah. And why should you do it? Interestingly, I actually just posted a job thing just today because my husband and I, and we're obviously with empty nesters. So, I mean, we, our children are gone and flown. And even then I notice all the things that start creeping up that need to happen. And I was like, wait a minute, why are we discussing dropping off our dry cleaning? I'm like, no. you know, we haven't dropped off our dry cleaning in a decade. When we lived in Seattle, we had this service, they would come to our house, do whatever. And now that we live farther out, there is no dry cleaning service. But I was like, we absolutely need to find a person because we're just doing things that are silly. And they're wasting our, like you say, I mean, that zone of genius time, and then it takes away our free time. And I much prefer kayaking than dropping off dry cleaning. Yeah, like the time that you have to carve out for yourself shouldn't be spent doing domestic chores, you need to have time to recharge your batteries, you need to have time to spend with your family. Like I've really prioritized like time with my family, time working on my business, time on my health and time with my friends. And if it doesn't fit in those categories, like I'm out. I'm a little hardcore on that, but like, it's just, there's only 24 hours in the day. Yep. I, I hate doing laundry. If I had never had to do laundry again, it's too soon. Right. There's no lawyer that should be doing laundry. Come on. We went to how long school, you know? Right. Exactly. Well, tell us a bit about, I mean, I feel like you have a pretty profound personal story about how you ended up wanting to do personal injury law. Yeah. So I was in business school. I always thought I would own my own business because my parents are, you know, entrepreneurial and just through what I call a series of unfortunate events, a couple of things happened to me that I had to hire a lawyer. So I was in a catastrophic accident. I was in a wheelchair for six months. I was a collegiate athlete and I was almost paralyzed for life. So that was funny. They, the insurance company had told me, you know, normally for other people, we don't do this, but for you, we're going to give you $2,000. And so um, I was just clueless. I didn't know anything. And then my boyfriend, that was a serious boyfriend over several years from high school to college, he ended up dying in a motorcycle accident. And then I had my identity stolen when I was like 20 for over $100,000. And I had to go through this huge trial thing and defend myself. My boss stole my identity. So like, that's a lot, you know, to happen when you're young. Yeah. Yeah. And I just was like, I feel like the universe wants me to become a lawyer. (laughs) So I ended up thinking, well, I can have a business that's a law firm. And so I knew that pretty much before I even went to law school. So I can't imagine going through all that. I mean, you know, my parents weren't very happy. I'll tell you that. But I think the things that we go through are preparing us for the person we're meant to be. And it's like, after they go through that stuff, everything else is easy, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. Well, and it just helps focus. 
I mean, your energies and I mean, wanting to help people who have been injured in accidents when insurance companies are just trying to screw them over, you know, even when they're offering their policy limits. I mean, you know, there's many times that I'm like, well, great. That's wonderful. Thank but, you. You know, yeah. didn't you do work for you were in personal injury? Yeah, I did insurance. I was on the other side. I did. You saw what we're dealing with. Yes, I did. <laughs> Definitely. But did. if you believe in like the universe and energy and all of that, like everything that happened to me was the perfect um, really? like casework to do what I do. Absolutely. You know? Oh, well, so, I mean, you have a real understanding of the fear of what somebody's going through. And I mean, how do you put your life back after you're injured in a wheelchair? I mean, it's hard for people to imagine being able to come back from that. I remember thinking this quote we tell our clients, like, ain't nobody got time for an accident. Like we live such busy lives, like these accidents, especially when you're seriously injured, they really disrupt your life. Oh, and, yeah. you know, that's one thing, but then people are very intimidated by the legal process. I know I was, I was terrified at that time. I just didn't know anything. Like you just are very nervous. So we try to like make our law firm about the client experience as much as we can. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I mean, we practice family law in our office and the same thing where people are terrified of the process, along with the fact that their entire family is being transitioned in some way. And in, you know, half the time, they don't want to do the transition, you know, and they might not be in favor of it. And like you went through that. So, you know, yeah. you have such firsthand knowledge about how to deal with the emotional side of it. And I think you do such a good job of putting out information that helps people kind of figure out their calm in the storm. Yeah, that's the goal is to help people really be able to figure out that even though this is a huge transition, just like with yours with accidents, there is a bright side on the other side of this. And they can see a different, you know, circumstance where they're going to look back at this transition as being one of the blessings. And oftentimes it's a real critical turning point in people's lives, I think, if handled appropriately and help them really come to understand what they can learn through this process, not only just be buffeted by the process. Yeah. Yours is really a life transition. There's a real, something really beautiful in that for a lot of people who are living in unhappiness, you know, Yeah, Uh, it definitely can be. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, nobody really wants to hire a lawyer at the end of the day, you know, and we, I try to keep that in mind. If they're calling, they probably not want to make this call, you know? Well, I mean, I have to tell you as a law firm owner, it doesn't thrill me to hire a lawyer and I have to do it a lot, you know, like, I mean, there's tax lawyers, employment lawyers, you know, business formation. And I'm like, oh gosh, here I go again, you know, doing something. And it doesn't thrill me because, you know, trademark lawyers, all the things I feel like. And those lawyers that focus on client experience, I think just, I mean, they understand the name of the game and being able to fully understand their client. I mean, I have to be really bold and tell you, like I hired Joey Vitali's office early on to do trademark work and they tried to make me do stuff in a portal. And I was like, "Mm, that's just not going to work. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to figure out your portal and operate in it and do whatever. But his office was so kind and so caring. You know, they humored my ridiculousness. (laughs) They were able 
to meet me where I was. And that's hugely powerful, I think. I know. And we get so like, oh, we do this every day, you know, and no big deal. And we have to constantly like kind of remind ourselves this is their first time in the legal process, likely, you know, but I think that's what makes just, I think as a woman, it's so easy of being intuitive about these things to give a better client experience for so many of our clients. I totally agree. I mean, I said, actually, just this morning, I was making a comment to our team. I mean, I look at what's going on in the world. I'm so concerned about my team, just the the drama of what's happening in our world and how it's impacting them. And I was, you know, trying to explain various benefits we have that could be helpful. And then, you know, trying to help them understand, like, me caring for them is that same way they need to be caring for our clients, realizing that our clients are going through a horrible drama in their world and alongside the the global world's drama, making it even doubly hard. And, you know, how can we bring that caring to our clients? And I think that's a question we all have to ask ourselves every time we're talking to somebody and especially if we're getting frustrated, like how can I meet this person where they are and what do they need right now for me to show that I care? Yes. It's, you know, staying conscious enough to, you know, reel yourself back in, you know, when you want to react and we're all still working, I think, to develop our skills in that arena every day. You know? uh, well, like you and I talked about before we even got on, I mean, do you not find that parenting has been one of the greatest just life lessons in how to reel yourself in? Yeah. Parenting will show you all the areas you need to work on. <laughs> I mean, A little mirror, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mine, um, unfortunately, was like a full length, one of those like wall mirrors. Is it like the one in the dressing room that's very unflattering? I'm like, if you want to sell anything, you might want to put different lighting in here. (laughs) I felt like, I mean, I still do. And, you know, like I said, mine are grown and in college or beyond. And I mean, there are things that occur and I'm like, ooh, I haven't learned that still. Like, okay, Elise, you know, go back remedial lesson 101. What does uh, Oprah say? Like at first life, like whispers, then it talks, then it shouts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. For we, don't sure. know, <laughs> we don't always get it on the first time, but hopefully we give ourselves grace because I am kind of against mom guilt. That is like something I stand against, you know? I mean, I know that it is something that is like a hot topic and I suffered for from it for years and then Finally, I was able to kind of break away from it. How did I think, you do that? You know, I did a lot of personal development. Mm-hmm. And when I say a lot, like a lot, some people do therapy, right? Some people do coaching. And I think if I was to sum it up is when you're, when you're exposed to mom guilt, it's because you're insecure about your parenting. And so I thought, what is the solution to that? You got to deal with all your old baggage that you have from your childhood or how you were raised because that playing a factor. But then in addition to that, you have to start developing your skills. Just like if let's say you were going to play basketball, you're not going to be confident that you play basketball if you've never really played or you don't practice a lot. So you got to figure out what is my parenting style and like really map out what you believe in, what you stand for, what would make a good mom in your mind? Cause probably every person on the planet has a slightly different definition and yeah. you get to own that, whatever that is for you. 
And once you're really clear on like what you believe in, what you stand for and what you're doing, like you just can't be shaken the way I think I used to be able to be shaken by a comment or whatever. I think that is so powerful. And I mean, it's simple. I mean, the whole idea of being insecure about your skills, kind of like that imposter syndrome. That's what it is. Raise your skill level. I mean, raise your skill level, like bring it up. You want to go to trial and you're (laughs) nervous. You just have to raise your skill level Yeah, because I think the mom guilt is a lack of confidence about what you're doing because if one person can say something and it can completely make you feel like a terrible parent, you're not confident in what you're doing yet. Well, and it's interesting because I think you and I, just from knowing you and then seeing you online, you and I share a lot of similar ideas about helping children become quite independent quite early. Oh, yeah. Like you don't see like a lion in nature, like hunting for like a teenage lion, you know, (laughs) like the idea is you transfer your life skills to your child so that when the time comes that you pass on, they are fully functional adults and totally able to be healthy and productive and living in their own purpose, you know? And having agency over their own lives. Yeah. And if you, if you're somebody that really has agency over your own life, like I feel like I do, I want that for other people. I don't want to dictate and demand what they do for their life. You know, that would be hypocritical. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Well, and I think that same thing around parents who encourage their children to need them in ways that are so, I mean, I'm just going to be bold and say absurd. Absurd. Laundry, taking care of their clothes, their rooms, getting food. No. I mean... You, do you think that that's building confidence in the kid that yeah. I need to rely on this person? Or do you think you get confidence from saying, hey, I can do these things on my own? Exactly. There's only one way to build confidence in a human being. Exactly. And it's by repetition. You know, yep. but we're waiting until a kid is 17 years old to give them any life skills. And then we're getting frustrated that they don't have any. Oh, it's it is. I mean, having now obviously watched these six kids launch and seeing their friends and watching the different degrees of ineptitude at, you know, 17, 18, when they're seniors in high school has been really eye-opening to me. I mean, when kids are coming over and, you know, my children are literally teaching them, like, this is how you do laundry. Like, are you serious? Your mother has been washing your football uniforms throughout your entire high school career? Like, But okay, if we go back, I mean, the thing is that somebody is getting their self-worth from doing that. So it's like, I've been conditioned that the way I show love is that I do your laundry. And the reality is that's serving the parent, not the child. Exactly. Right. So it's like, if you're really selfless and you really want to help your child, you do what's right for them, not because it makes you feel good. You know, and that's parenting like all day, every day, right? It's like doing the things you've got to do, even though it's uncomfortable or it makes you not feel like needed. Oh, I mean, I have to say like we had kiddo number five. I mean, I won't go into the whole story, but ended up in a massive car accident and boarding school was the right thing. And it was the hardest thing I've done as a parent to go drop a child off 
after a massive accident, watching him struggle, but knowing that he needed to do this. He needed to go stand on his own two feet. He needed to figure this out and he needed to navigate whether or not he could get back on the football field physically, what he was going to do, the whole bit. And driving away after dropping that child off was singly the hardest thing I've ever done and by far the best parenting decision I've ever made. How did you get through that? A lot of, you know, talking to my husband about, you know, my fears around what I was doing. Cause you know, from the outside, it can look kind of ugly. Like here's this kid that went through this massive accident. I mean, you know, kind of like you talk about kind of a death defying type accident, but I also was watching him take a left turn and make some really bad choices. And I just really was like, you know, you've got options here. Like you're at a real pivotal point here. You can step up and, you know, turn this around or you can go down this path you're going on. I'm like, either way, you know, I'm going to be here, but I'm not going to enable you, you know? So if you're going down a bad path. I mean, there's going to be consequences slapping you in the face every step of the way. Cause I am not standing in between you and those consequences. You know, I hired a parenting coach during like when I was about to have my third child and he has been transformative in some of my skills, but something he says that kind of relates to what you're saying. And he reminds me of this is holding the line for people is not glamorous. Yeah. Like, like we have this fantasy that parenting is all rainbows and butterflies, like sometimes doing the right thing. And sometimes that's, Hey, you've, earn to go to bed an hour early, you know, or, Hey, you don't get to go to the sleepover party that you wanted to go to because X, Y, Z Hey, you've got to go to boarding school. Like these things are not like the fun things. Like why do we think parenting is all supposed to be just like all feel good moments? Like that's not reality, right? Not at all. I mean, I really think we do a disservice to our children, but I mean, I think in larger measure, we do a disservice to our children to make them think that life is like that at all. Do you know what I mean? Like Like even like working out or going to the gym, like anything, the it's not all glamour, you know, it's like really hard decisions and, and doing things that are really outside your comfort zone that I think sometimes is what makes really good parents. Oh, I mean, absolutely this point, like I was looking at a 17 year old, like you're not a child for long, you know, like you need to kind of stand up and make this call because this is your life. You are choosing the path of your life and helping him understand how, how much agency he did have. So how much I was willing to step back and let him exercise that agency was really powerful to him because, you know, it gives that vote of confidence. Like, I know you can do the right thing here and I know you can make good choices and do things that you need to do. But I also know that I'm going to have to step back and you're going to have to figure this out. Like, this isn't something I'm going to be able to, you know, mold for you. Yeah. Yeah. Parenting. Kudos to you. Cause you know, I think it just is, it's trickier as they get older because the stakes are higher, you know? Absolutely. And have you ever felt overwhelmed with everything there is to do within your legal practice? How do you keep up with your legal work while making time for growing your practice and attracting clients? Do important things like deadlines and even your family fall through the cracks? This is why you should join us at the number one conference for legal entrepreneurs, Max LawCon. We're going to be focused on helping practices scale and bringing calm to the order. 
This conference is curated in order to accelerate your implementation. Based on where you are in your legal practice, we're going to help you identify exactly what is most important right now. When you leave Max LawCon, you go home with complete clarity, focus, and a plan to make 2022 your best year ever. And not only your best year in terms of revenue, but your best year in terms of time. Time back with your family. More time to do the work that is in your zone of genius. Only taking the clients that you like. And more money in your pocket. It's all at the Maximum Lawyer Conference. Max LawCon is a two-day event on Thursday, June 2nd and Friday, June 3rd in St. Charles, Missouri. Seats are filling fast. Grab yours today at www.maxlawcon2022.com. You know, what I'm so fascinated with, though, is how you have amazing, ambitious people who have full agency over their lives, who are curious and growth-minded, raising kids that don't have any of those qualities. It's very strange. It is. Oh, I think, I mean, it's one of the things that I just really struggle with and shake my head. I'm like, what are we doing for our children? I mean, I think of, obviously, as you know, I'm totally into fair play mm-hmm. and this whole idea of having like gender equity in the home. And when I look at what we are creating as mothers, a lot of times in our own homes, and I'm like, and we wonder why your son then is going to grow up and not be able to own any of those cards in that fair play deck because they never had to do one of those things ever. Or they associate it with their mom doing it. And that's a norm, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge fan of fair play and I was introduced because of you and how much you've given publicity to the book. And I really, I have you read Unicorn Space? Oh, I love it. When you really read that book, what I found so, so transformative was not just the cards, because I think that is like, that's like a whole aha, but also that how many women are living around the world without unicorn space. Isn't it just stunning? Yeah. Um, I tell a story all the time, like, you know, I was a little girl and I was very ambitious and a go-getter and very highly energetic, very similar to who I am today. And people are like, go, 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 go do rule the world, do all this, be an athlete, you know, run, you know, do everything. Right. And it's like, everyone's chanting for you in society until you become to childbearing age or maternal age. And then they're like, yeah, maybe you don't want to like tone it down a little. Maybe this is too much. Maybe you're too intense. Maybe you need to take a back seat. And I'm like, that is a very confusing message to be sending to little girls. I'm sure you experienced the same thing. Hugely. And it's, it's insane how we do it. And we all, I mean, it has happened to all of us and helping our daughters. I mean, we are a blended family, three girls and three boys and helping our girls be strong, independent. I mean, just, you know, super go get them kind of girls, but having the things that they care about and are passionate about is something that has been so important to me. And I know early on in my parenting, I mean, I used to look to my daughter and be like, oh, well, she can do X, Y, and Z. And I would actually in my mind think, oh, it'll probably be harder to get the boys to do that. And I mean, I was literally creating this same problem. And 
I mean, thank God my daughter was so outspoken about it. She would be like, why is it that you think I can do this, but, you know, so-and-so younger brother can't do it. And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I guess, I mean, of course he can. And yeah, so- we. I mean, we all, we're all part of this. I mean, even those of us who are kind of trying to change the narrative, we all are still you know, making mistakes every day. I mean, I have so much work still to do on, you know, these issues because it's so ingrained, you know, but I think the thing is, is like people see what you do and how you lead your life. And I try to just like live that way where, you know, a lot of times what we say to our kids is not the same as what they see us, how we live. Are you, you know, what are, how do you, what values do you have based on what you do every day, you know, and I think you're a great inspiration to all the kids just by having unicorn space. I think it's also about the narrative that you talk to your kids. Like I never say like, Oh, mommy's going out of town. I'm so upset. I'm like, mom gets to go do this really exciting thing. And one day when you're bigger, you come with me too. You know, like it's all about how you sell and narrate your life story, you know? Exactly. Well, in the idea, I mean, the fact that you can go out of town, go do things for your business, go to conferences, learn things, and your children are having amazing opportunities to bond and, you know, have their own relationship with their dad. If, you know, it happens to be a time when their dad is staying with them versus a time when maybe other family members are staying with them. But that all is amazing for children. I mean, to build bonds with other family members, be it another parent, a co-parent, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever it is. I mean, I just think the more children learn to navigate other caretakers, it's just good for them. But but isn't the hard work letting a little bit go of that control? Because in the book, Fair Play, they talk about, and I did resonate with this, some of the stuff that used to keep me very small was... I wanted that ultimate control over every which way things were done. And I think when you go through the process of deciding, well, this is the way we're deciding, you know, as a group here, it's easier for everyone to pitch in versus it seems like for a lot of families, the mom has ultimate authority and nobody can really come in and help. Right. Exactly. Well, and it is the thing that, I mean, I know as a mom and as a divorce attorney, I can't tell you how much I see this where (laughs) women come in and they'll be like, you know, I need full custody. You know, he doesn't know how to do this. And I'm like, well, when's the last time you let him do that? You know, and they're like, well, he doesn't know how to do it. And I'm like, well, we're talking about like, you know, feeding the children. Is it death you were actually worried about? Or is it, you know, boxed macaroni and cheese you were worried about? Like, what are we talking about here? So, I mean, don't you think some of the conversation is, the way women stay small in our world is also really also on them too. I mean, how you're showing up, how you're not letting go of any inch of control, you know, how we can't always just say, Oh, society, I am a big, you know, believer in full accountability for our lives. And you chose this partner, you know, you could radically change your life at any moment. Absolutely. Oh, I think we women must own a good portion of what the situations we are in. I mean, I see it a lot in large female groups. A lot of times, you know, just because we're lawyers, they're lawyer groups where these women are miserable in their marriages and miserable in 
all the things like you'll just I mean, there'll actually be like a day of, you know, we're all going to just talk, you know, about our misery, which I'm not a huge fan of those misery (laughs) days. Like (laughs) I'm a zero fan of those. I have no energy for that. It's like if it's not a hell yes, it's a no, you know, exactly. (laughs) And when I look at this, I'm thinking here are all these people with the privilege of being an attorney. I mean, you know, that is a, a pretty privileged position, at least in our society in the United States. And to have this kind of like, woe is me routine. I'm like, oh my, we have got to flip this around because you think of, you know, when we're talking about family circumstances, I mean, I mean, you're one conversation away from radically disrupting how your family looks. You but know? I, I think where it's coming from, if you like dial it in, is that I think people are unprepared for the responsibility that raising a family comes with. Like, you know, you're just a, you know, a single person and life is pretty simple. And then when you have a career and then you start juggling all these things and there's not a lot of people out there giving you any idea of how you do it or all the people. I mean, I think it's very taboo to talk about domestic support still, which is bizarre. Right. But it's like, I remember being like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do all this. And then there's a lot of resentment because you're feeling very spread, very thin. And my goal is just like, what you're doing is amazing. You're going out there and you're really spreading some kind of radical ideas. And I love it. Yeah, well, I just think that we should all be happy. I mean, I'm such a joy monger, like I love joy. And I mean, I think being a lawyer should bring joy. I think being a mom should bring joy. I think your marriage should bring joy. And if they're not, you got to be looking at these things and asking yourself why, like, why are you living without joy? And Yeah. Well, I, you need to keep pushing that mission because I know a lot of people, I love hearing your podcasts and I love, you know, the message you're spreading in the world because you not only talk about it, you have the results. I mean, your kids are doing amazing things and, you know, you were already on this train probably 20 years ago, weren't you? I mean, you, you were teaching your kids to be independent when they were younger, right? Oh yeah. I was kind of the, but I mean, very honestly, I also was lazy in that I didn't want to do things that I could teach them to do. Like, I'm like, why would I keep doing this if you're capable of this? And like, the goal here is to put me out of a job. And so anytime I could teach them something and, and I started very early. I mean, my children were making their school lunches when they were in kindergarten, they were doing their laundry 100% when they were eight years old, like I was not touching any of those kind of things. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you. My kids pack their own lunch. They make their beds every morning. They pick out their clothes. They do their laundry. They do the dishwasher. And it's amazing. Like what we've seen, like sometimes the bus comes at like 645 and like my daughter will be like, I got all this stuff done. And at 620, I have a little extra time. And I'm like, okay. You know? And like, I just think that if they're capable, like you said, why, why are you doing it? I mean, it, the, the one thing I will also say is there, you know, this, cause you did it. There is a lot of training days yeah. and like the first time they do the laundry, it's not going to be perfect. Oh gosh. No. And training. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah. if you're struggling with this, you're probably also struggling with training your staff in your law firm. 
Exactly. Because there is parallels to managing people and raising a family. How often do you see this? It's like you hire someone and then you're like, they don't know how to do this. It's like, how many hours of training did you put into them? Exactly. You know, exactly. they put the dish, they put all of its still silverware away in the wrong places. Well, how it's time intensive, but it's a bridge you build to your freedom, you know, and to their, their independence, which is, I mean, I just see their independence as being like their agency and freedom to make choices in their life. And to me, like as a parent, that's what I wanted to impart was so, that my children could do whatever they wanted. They could create the circumstances that would give them the choices to have the lives they wanted. You know, what was one of the harder ones for me, letting my kids start to pick out their clothes. (laughs) So, you know, it's like easier if I just like go to the store, buy them some stuff and just, you know, and my daughter was like, I don't want to wear that. And I was like, okay. And so then I had to start bringing her with me and like, you know, she has her own money. She also gets to pick some things that she buys, but like, I was so attached to what she was wearing. Yep. It's like, this new thing. it was a me thing. I also started coming up with some like trainings, like seasonally appropriate. Like there is actually a life skill to dressing seasonally appropriate. There is a life skill to matching your clothes, but then I tried to start training it and now she's really pretty good, but there was a period where she dressed crazy and I'm sure people thought I was nuts. Right. But you know, Oh, I'm with you. I mean, we, there was a few hard and fast rules and I'll never forget the day my daughter one time comes down to go to school in eighth grade in some clothes that I was like, I'm like, is today dressed like a hooker day? And she was like, excuse me? And I was like, oh, no, you are not going to school in whatever this getup is that you have put on. And I was like, and where did you get this getup? Like, how did this get purchased? Because at that time, I mean, she was buying all her own clothes. They had a clothing allowance. They bought all their own clothes. I was not involved in it at all. But we had never had that discussion about kind of like, you know, what should it look like? Like, where should your dress go? Where do your shorts go? You know what I mean? Just like seasonally appropriate professional. Like, I have to explain, like, we don't wear a holiday dress on like to the gym, like, you know, but but this is truly like, so we have this saying, like, anytime they don't do something that like, you know, or that that's frustrating. It's like, this is just a missing life skill. It is. That's it. It truly is, though, and to think, I mean, to simplify it down to that, it then empowers you to want to train it. And you, I mean, and I don't know what y'all have done, but because you have these three young children, I mean, you could be like training some of these things and actually creating a system so that you're training the ones down the line so you don't have to repeat yourself over and over again. The, but um, it's easier to train the older ones because in my experience, like once you get the older ones trained, the younger yeah. ones aspire to be like the older they ones. Do. Yep. So <laughs> my two-year-old, he's already like cutting. I have like these little knives that are for kid appropriate. And like right. he wants to be like the big kids, you know? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And also like it's kind of amazing what their potential is and like their full, like, you know, what, what they can really do. Like you really can't see it unless you really unleash them a little, you know, it's phenomenal what they can do. 
And I mean, the other thing for us, there was this whole kind of humanity in teaching our children to be independent was also about being part of a team that we all live in this home together. We all need to contribute to the home smooth running. And I mean, that carries over into so many life skills, I think, about being a good team member and pitching in where you see somebody needing help or pitching in where you see a problem and maybe you're not even going to get credit for it. Like you're going to do it and it's not even going to be seen, but you still do it, you know, really learning those skills about how to be a team player. I mean, that was something we talked a lot about in our home. Do you ever think, Oh, I wish my kids were small again. Cause you know, you hear that all the time. Oh, when my kids grow up, I'm going to wish that they were small again. I don't. I mean, I loved, you know, having young children, but no, I don't. I mean, I love watching them grow and do what they're doing now. I mean, they're all kind of just like badass. I mean, and I'm not, they're not all doing what I quote unquote, you know, would have dreamed for them to do in the sense of they're all doing their own thing. And it's pretty amazing to watch. I mean, but isn't that your dream that they do what they want to do and that they are living their own purpose? Because yeah, I think absolutely. You know, as much as I've loved them when they're babies, I'm so thrilled and excited to when my daughter's 15, 16, 20, 30, like all the ages, you know? Oh, it's amazing. She'll be able to do even more things with me, like on another whole level. Like that's exciting. Like, oh, it's so exciting. I mean, I know I told you at the beginning, like I'm headed to DC and I'm going to go to a closing for my daughter who's buying her first property. She's buying a condo in DC. And I mean, that is such a powerful thing to be able to go enjoy with her as she's starting out law school in the fall. So she knew she was going to be in DC for a while. And, you know, this is something that meant something to her and to be able to kind of, you know, start larger investments. And I just thought, I mean, here's this girl in her mid twenties, just, you know, doing things. I didn't do that in my mid twenties. I mean, I love watching her just, I don't know, shine all around. Well, I I think it's going to be a memory you treasure. Did you have a mentor like that when you were growing up? I mean, I would say for me, it was my grandmother. I mean, I, you know, I had parents and I had grandparents who lived just like two miles away from us. So I grew up with a huge influence being my grandmother who was just so practical down to earth. I mean, talk about somebody who taught life skills, you know, like, I mean, anything I asked her to do for me, she would be like, oh yeah, I can teach you how to do that. I can teach you how to do that. And so, you know, I think I just, I was raised by extremely independent women. I mean, you know, I'm like in my fifties, my early fifties. And so when I was in school, I mean, I was always the one, I mean, all four of my grandparents graduated from college. And I mean, I was like the only one I knew growing up where both my grandmothers and my grandfathers, you know, were college graduates. And so they all were just kind of, you know, like they had really forward thinking and very independent minds. And I think that growing up with that kind of female role model was really powerful to me. I think what you stand for, Elise, though, is that I think some of the hesitation of women being strong and independent is like it's at the sacrifice of your kids. So when people see you having success and your kids are now into adulthood and they're having success, you really stand for the principle that this is not at the expense of the kids. Well, and I am so just 
I have really admired how you hired a parenting coach. Like to have that thought of, I need to up my skill level. I mean, I didn't hire a coach when mine were young, but I became that crazy woman, you know, who read like 6,000 books and, you know, how to do this and, you know, would compare and contrast and, you yeah. kind of hired a coach. You just is like the the earlier version, yes. like self coaching. You know exactly. But, but I yeah. mean, that is such a brilliant idea to also come together with you and your husband, so that you all can kind of come to a place of unity on how is this going to look in our family. You know, like what are our goals? You know, and when you talk about divorce, which is you know what you guys focus on, what I found through going with a parenting coach and getting clear on the fair play, like rules and all that, you have less marital problems. Most of the marital problems are really down to the raising of the children. Oh yeah. And the lack of communication. I mean, where people allow resentment to build. I'm just not a big fan of resentment either. I mean, I'm going to tell Doug, like if something's bothering me, I'm going to be like, yo, this is bothering me. Like, let's talk about it. And you know, I just, I think resentment is so insidious in a relationship. And I mean, with children or your partner, like resenting your children is to me, one of the most horrendous emotions to have with your children, like figure out how you can help them become more independent and you will lose so much of your resentment. Yes. Yeah. It's and so I true. Just, resentment is just, it is such a wasted emotion in my mind. And it's, toxic to all things. Like I'm just not a fan of resentment. And so I really try to get rid of it by being really blunt and having those radically candid conversations. Well, you're inspiring more people, I think, because I I just can't imagine you being resentful. You're so joyful and so upbeat. Like you can't even carry that weight of that. It doesn't work well. I mean, truly resentment and joy do not go well together. And interestingly, I don't know if it was in Fair Play or if it was just in conversations I've had with the author, Eve Rodsky, resentment and desire don't live well together either. So, I mean, marriages will crumble, you know, if when I see these people who are so unhappy in their marriage and then they talk about having these like sexless lives for, you know, years on end. And I'm like, well, that's not surprising. I think. The domestic support is an insurance policy on your relationship because I know so many people who are seething with resentment over the domestic chores. Well, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And it becomes very, you know, two working professionals and neither of them wants to come home and do laundry all night, you know? Which is understandable. I mean, it is totally understandable. And it's absurd to think that that should just fall on one partner all the time. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, there's so much to unpack in all of this. I mean, and really the bottom line is it's, I mean, I say mindset, but that's such a simple way to put it. I mean, there is so much self-improvement and that needs to happen to be able to successfully navigate the busy lives that we find ourselves in. And obviously I feel like I am constantly a work in progress. Me too. I mean, self-improvement is a lifelong journey. I'm sure in like 20 years, we'll be like, oh, you know, all these other things we could have been doing. I mean, if I don't look back like five years ago and I'm like horrified, then I'm like, oh, I didn't really grow that much. But (laughs) I'm like, get rid of those videos and pictures. Like it's terrible. 
But yeah, my license plate is mindset. I think mindset is controlling everything in your life and how, I mean, I'm really big on the narrative you tell of your life to your family, to your kids, to yourself and your relationship with yourself is really above all. Honestly, if you don't have a good relationship with yourself, how can you really be in a good relationship with your children or your spouse or your friends? And right. I know that's radical in this day and age, but I believe in years to come, like more, more women will be like us. And people always say, oh, how are you doing and all? And this and that. It's just, you know, you got to take really good care of yourself and value yourself and know that you deserve the uh, support you, you know, right to do big things. You got to put out realistic plans. How is it going to get done? Exactly. Sabotage. If you had one, I mean, do you have one book or one thing you would recommend to people? Like if somebody wanted to, you know, read about mindset and read about how to value yourself, what would you say that is? Well, I mean, if it, depending on the topic, I mean, for parenting, there's a book that my coaches wrote called Creating Champions for Life. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to just original business and all that. I mean, I think the book Thinking Grow Rich is my original foundation and I reread it every year and I hear things differently when I read it. Um, And I have a lot of books like that. I'm sure you do too. But I also am huge on fair play when it comes to, and now unicorn space, when it comes to all these issues about sharing domestic responsibility, you know, that book is on the cutting edge. Really is. Oh yeah. I love it. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And I just, I love watching everything you're doing. I love videos of your children cutting things to get ready for dinner. Yes. I'm just thrilled when I can see Bennett up there on the I'm like, you know, that video went viral. Yeah. It's so crazy to me that it's like gotten so much attention. So um, I'll probably awesome. put I mean, up more content. People love on the internet seeing kids do chores. I don't, it's, it's like, I guess it's like so rare. So. <laughs> I think it is rare. And I think it is so, so important. And I just, I mean, seeing your daughter, you know, you can just see her beaming with confidence when she's doing things, you know, oh, she's like, yes. And like the really cool thing is like, she like saw me on a billboard and she was like, this also went viral. She was like, ah. she was like, mom, you're a celebrity. I was like, I'm not a celebrity on any level, but like, you know, she sees me as like, you know, somebody that she can aspire to be. And I'm, that was my goal. Like I wanted to be somebody that my kids said, my mom lived her life. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really important. Yeah. I just say kudos. I love watching you all keep up all the great work and we're going to have to chat again in five years and look back and see what has happened. I cannot wait. I will be, I will be watching with big breath. Awesome. Well, I hope you have a great day and enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks so much, Elise. Okay. bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.